Hi, wherever you're listening to this, I hope you're doing well. I'm Hari Arakli and this is One Thing Today in Tech. In two days, Finance Minister Nirmala Sitharaman will unveil the union government's last budget before India goes to polls this year. So, in this extended episode, I've compiled the views of several tech startup founders on what they'd like to see in Budget 2024. Tech startups are hoping the government will sharpen its focus on supporting them to develop more intellectual property within the country, which is crucial for our long-term security. In the realm of consumer electronics, Amit Khatri, co-founder of Noise, wants to see a dedicated push to boost R&D within the country. Khatri would like to see measures in making the rules that apply to startups more entrepreneur-friendly and supportive of streamlined funds allocation. Programs such as the production-linked incentive schemes have set the stage, Khatri says, for localizing components as well, fostering an environment that encourages homegrown brands. One way we can help make consumer electronics more sustainable is by promoting reuse of devices such as smartphones. And rules that define standards, certifications, warranties and taxes are crucial for the growth of the refurbished smartphone industry in India, Yug Bhatia, founder and CEO of Control Z, says. Mayank Bindal, founder and CEO of Snap eCabs, is hoping that the government will continue for the next few years the FAME 2 subsidy, where FAME stands for Faster Adoption and Manufacturing of Electric Vehicles. EV makers are also hoping that a proposal to reduce the goods and services tax on lithium-ion batteries from 18% to 5% overall will find favour with the government, which would make EVs more affordable if the manufacturers pass on the benefit to customers. As India's central and state governments push businesses and consumers to go green, EV makers want vehicle financing in the sector to be given priority sector lending status. Continuing with the theme of sustainability, India has set itself the target of achieving 500 gigawatt of non-fossil fuel energy by 2030 from the current capacity at 179.5 gigawatts, points out Viji Anil, CEO of RNQ, a manufacturer of UPS, solar and EV batteries. Anil would like to see measures to encourage more research and development, investments in electric mobility infrastructure and schemes that make it easier for people to use sustainable power solutions. One major challenge that customers face, however, is the high upfront investment, Saurabh Marda, managing director and co-founder of Fryer Energy, says. Marda would like to see low-interest loans from banks for solar installations. More tax credits, grants and subsidies will help make renewable energy options more viable for consumers and businesses alike, Vaibhav Rungta, chief business officer at Raise Power Infra, says. Such measures will reduce the initial investment barriers and accelerate the uptake of solar, wind and other clean energy technologies, he adds. India imported $1.13 billion worth of solar panels in the first half of the current financial year, Rungta points out. He would like to see measures to promote indigenous development, facilitate technology transfer and incentivize local manufacturing to make India an R&D and manufacturing hub for battery energy storage systems often referred to as BES in the industry. We stress the importance of establishing a long-term and stable regulatory framework, he says. Such a framework should streamline approval processes for large-scale projects, open access projects, implement efficient net metering policies and ensure effective integration of renewable sources into the existing grid infrastructure, he adds. 
Last year, the government announced a plan to provide 15,000 agricultural drones free of cost to rural women under the Drone Didi initiative. This was a strong signal, says Prem Kumar Vislavat, founder and CEO of Maruth Drones. He too would like to see easing of regulations for both manufacturers and buyers in the sector and of course easy financing for drones for commercial use. Vislavat proposes 100% subsidy to farmers on drone training certification programs through the Skill India initiative. GST reductions and even waivers are a common ask across startup sectors and drone makers are no different on this. Another common ask amongst hardware manufacturers is that the production linked incentive scheme should be extended to component manufacturers as well. Moving on to another very large sector, the healthcare tech startup segment saw approximately a 55% drop in funding last year, says Devojyoti Dhar, co-founder and director at Lucine Rich Bio. Our focus should shift to preventive measures for common diseases rather than a predominantly curative approach, Dhar says. Prioritizing prevention not only mitigates the impact of the disease burden on the nation's economy but also aligns with the overarching goal of a healthy India, he says. Simplified compliance rules and targeted incentives for innovative life sciences and health tech startups will help such ventures to contribute more to the economy, he says. Gaurav Srivastava, co-founder and COO at Haystack Analytics, a genomics-based diagnostic solutions provider incubated at the Indian Institute of Technology, Bombay, says India's diagnostic segment is a highly competitive one. It is expected to grow from 71,000 crore rupees in 2021 to 136,000 crore rupees by 2026, he says. Srivastava recommends more investments in R&D, healthcare infrastructure enhancement and strengthening patient safety measures, comprehensive screening and diagnostics and expanded training courses. India also faces the burden of having to import 80% of the medical devices used in the country, according to Srivastava. Therefore, in this segment too, local R&D and manufacturing is imperative. Let's talk a bit about space technologies, which after Chandrayaan has caught the imagination of everybody in the country. When Indian space sector rules were liberalized to allow private space companies to own and operate space assets in June 2022, it touched off significant growth in the sector says Aniruddha Sharma, CEO of space tech company Digantara. With support from the government agency InSpace, Indian space tech startups have demonstrated and validated their technologies successfully, Sharma says. The next phase is about commercialization, including selling to global customers, he says. Exemption from customs duties levied on companies seeking to import mission-critical materials, components and subsystems into India will help, he says. These spacecraft components are still not made locally and their costs range from a few tens to hundreds of thousands of dollars. And customs duties, which can be as high as 40%, makes an uphill endeavor that much more steep, he says. He would like to see service-slash-product-linked incentives to encourage both private and public companies to collaborate with Indian space startups. Simplification of rules governing the cross-border transactions that these space tech startups rely on will also help, he says. In an allied area and beyond the budget currently, most aerospace research and technology and product development are concentrated within government agencies such as the Defence Research and Development Organisation, 
and Hindustan Aeronautics Limited. To accelerate the pace of research and product development, there's a need for early-stage involvement of startups, Rohit Chauhan, CEO at Nabdrishti Aerospace, says. The government could establish an independent nodal agency to facilitate collaboration between DRDO labs, startups and private industry in the aerospace sector. The absence of a clear aerospace policy prevents effective use of the world-class labs and testing facilities developed by DRDO and HAL, he says. Just as ISRO is supporting space startups with its testing and other facilities, aerospace startups can also benefit from the R&D infrastructure of DRDO and HAL, Chauhan says. Apurva Masuk, founder and CEO of Space Fields, points out that there's been a reduction in aerospace and defence imports over the last five years, and defence exports have increased to record levels historically. India is becoming a vital junction for the global supply chain and aerospace manufacturing hub with increased cooperation and global partnerships amidst escalating geopolitical tensions in various regions, Chauhan points out. This presents tailwinds for dual-use tech startups. As the local industry becomes more capable with respect to critical technologies, sustained government support will be vital, he says. This is especially so as our offset policy performance has been dismal, which has been yielding slumping returns despite various amendments. And spending on R&D has been coming down as a percentage of the total expenditure, he says. The central government's IDEX program is a great example of how R&D support can flow down to startups, MSMEs and academia as well as for holistic growth of the entire ecosystem. The government should also consider thematic, stage-agnostic sovereign funds to de-risk the valley of death phase for aerospace startups and participate actively in their growth rounds, he says. The Maharashtra Defence and Aerospace Venture Fund and the Karnataka Innovation and Technology Venture Fund are other examples. But there is a need for more sources to solve the funding conundrum to unleash the full potential of the sector, he says. And that's one thing today in tech. You can find all our podcasts on ForbesIndia.com and on your favorite podcast app. I'm Hari Arkli. Thank you for listening. Thank you.